0: Um, thank you guys for being here again. Thank you so much for just taking time out on a Sunday morning. Um, just not to disappoint anybody, we got some cardboard boxes on the stage. I, I'm not leaving. I, if, if you were thinking, hey, man, this guy's something to pack it up and get out of here. Sorry, wrong, no, not yet. Um, I haven't made the big mistake yet. I'm um, still, still waiting to pull that out one week. Um, these boxes, I want to tell you, these boxes represent something. So if you can kind of go ahead and gear your mind in this way, this message is going to kind of have kind of two lanes to it. Uh, we're talking about some things from the past, um, and, and when we think about the past, the past for can be some of the greatest memories, some of the greatest successes of our life, or the past can be something that we struggle with every day, and there's a lot of middle ground even between those two concepts, a lot of middle ground. Um, before we jump into this, I, I do want to tell you this, there's a quick graphic that they're going to put up on the screen from last week, and, and I, when I left here last week, I thought, man, what... It's it was like a tale of two sermons last week. Um, when, when we looked into Scripture last week and we saw some of the things that God was doing, um, one of the key key connections uh, from last week was really for us um, how to how to have that frontline ministry um, that we saw a couple of significant people have how God used them, um, and when when our frontline ministry um, is just kind of really narrowed down to a few things that we do or some things that we don't do, we really miss so much uh, of, of the big concept that God really is aiming at us, uh, aiming us at. Um, our frontline ministry in so many ways it w- is what goes on in our personal and private time, not just kind of what we show everybody. So the big encouragement last week, if you didn't catch it, was was how, how we can really stand in a gap of brokenness for other people and the work that we can do towards that really in our own time of the Lord. How do we take people to Him in prayer? How do we live before Him really in a personal way so that when God looks out and sees brokenness in someone else's life, He can see a committed heart in us to say, hey, I can, I can easily do something here now. And that's really what we want to be able to show um, in, in our faithfulness. But this week we're going we're to jump into the past. Last week we mentioned three specific individuals that were that should have never never made it in to the family because if you look at their past and where they came from and events of their life they were they were not on the top 10 easy get list um one of them that we're going to focus on today most of us really we just we just go straight to the good parts of his life um, because we kind of like to do that i I like to do that for myself i don't like to dwell on the horrible parts of my life i like to go straight to the good parts and and for the good parts we know him as paul Um, but before that when it was blow light reel, what was his name? Saul. Um, and, and we're just going to focus in on part of this real narrow chapter of his life that we know him as Saul. Now, Saul had a lot of anger. Saul had a lot of things that he struggled with. And if we just kind of look at those things, and let's just, call them, let's just call them the past in our lives, what does it look like for us to struggle, not, not maybe exactly like Saul, but for us and kind of dealing with our own past. Sometimes, and I want you to think of these three boxes as just kind of kind of um, the, the stuff that lives in our past, but it's not the stuff that just cripples us, it's the stuff that we just kind of have to deal with. Like this row of boxes, if there's work that's going to be done on this stage, it's aggravating, but it's not hard to walk around. It's not even hard to necessarily jump over or step over. It just takes extra effort. Sometimes that's what our past feels like. It's just, it's the thing that takes extra effort for us to get done what we need to get done in life, sometimes that's what it is, but but sometimes it's also it's other specific things, and I want to put um, some other specific thing kind of on this on, um, on, on this um, kind of stack of rows here for a second words now i don't know if you struggle with um, the things that you've said in your life, but I've had to apologize for a lot of them for me um, for some of us. It's it's, it's the way that we say our words. It's just the tone, the edge, and and it's just that thing that almost feels like it's a push on someone, just the way that we say them. Sometimes, man, it's just one conversation. You ever have one of those? Like you just kind of look back at a season of life and go, man, I, I could honestly draw a circle around one conversation. If I could go back and not have that one conversation, man, things would be so different. Sometimes it's a history of words. It's the fight that happens so often that we just can't seem to get over the past because it just it floods our present. Sometimes it's, it's a name, somebody, and just hearing their name brings that up. Sometimes we deal with words in a very real way, and it's, and it's a little bit more than just the extra effort that it takes to get over and get around some other things. Um, here's one. Most of us have at least a little bit of this money financial struggles from our past sometimes we we jump in and we make financial commitments we buy into something we purchase something we we have a spending habit and it it builds and builds and builds and it gets out of control and and it robs us of our ability to be faithful and generous in the kingdom of God and and we make certain financial decisions that we look back and go gosh if, if we had never taken that step if we had never gone down that road, and, and I apologize for all the Joneses that are here this morning, but the, but, but the phrase, keeping up with the Joneses, right? If, if, I had to, if I had to try to pace my life with others and had to pace my life in good stewardship of where, where we were with the Lord, man, well, this, this would be totally different. I, I didn't mean anything bad by it. I, I, I mean, in fact, it was, it, was, it was some of the greatest people that I knew in life. I just, it just probably wasn't wise for me to try to pace my life off theirs. And all of a sudden, we have to look, and man, when, when finances really get kind of out of line, it becomes something to where it's almost like, how do I recover from that? Like, how do I even begin being generous? Um, how about this one? Relationship. Sometimes we look back at life, and it's, it's, it's just one, right? It's not, it's not 20 or 30. It's just one. And, and, and that we just, we, no matter how far away we get from it, we just can't seem to get beyond some of the things that we carry from this relationship. Sometimes it's, it's just between us and another person, and, it, and it's really nobody else, but it's just it's how we look at them because of something that went on. Broken trust in a relationship. Sometimes the relationship itself continues, but the past of it, we really wrestle. How do I forgive? How do, how do I move beyond this? What, 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 what do I really do? Sometimes it's relationship. Sometimes it could be reputation, reputation, what people think about us. And hey, listen, this isn't always a negative one, right? This isn't always negative. Some of us know what it's like to, to be so consumed with what we think our good reputation is that we, can't, we, we just cannot figure out how to come to a place to go, man, I've made a, I've made a mess of some things. People are so convinced that everything in our life is so good that we don't feel like we can freely confess what happens in private. Sometimes just the past of what people assume of us and and maybe, maybe kind of a front that we put on, it's like it takes so much just to get beyond that to be able to move into something that really is more honest and more humble. How about this one? This isn't Job, it's Job you think man if 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 i when, when you look back at life, you go gosh i i just I didn't take my life seriously enough and I, I just I got off track or or i thought the I thought the grass was going to be greener on the other side and it really wasn't um or we just we 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 acted a certain way or we kept a certain work culture that was very different from 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 our family culture or what we called our christian culture and and we kind of became somebody else on a job that we really weren't or we didn't really want to be and and, and that starts to represent something where we internally we feel like, I feel like I'm two people. And gosh, if you've lived a life like that, that is exhausting, isn't it? Like when you feel like you have to be someone because you walk in a building or you walk in a room and you have to, you got to flip a switch. And it's like, I got to be better. I got to be happier. I got to be whatever because I'm going in this environment. And you've set that pace so long that you've forgotten, gosh, how do I just, man, how do I just, how do I just live in freedom? right now you know a job can carry a lot of guilt right we, we feel like because of what somebody's put into us or said to us we feel like we're just we're a failure and that's 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 built up into our mind in our past how about our temper I don't know that I want to talk about this one a lot because this one kind of makes me feel bad because this is me right here this is one of my boxes I carry I react real quick with my words too many times and I'm and I'm extra guilty at home I think because I feel like I have the most freedom there I don't feel like I have to pretend as much about who I am and sometimes in my relaxed moments I say some stuff that I shouldn't say in the way I shouldn't say it sometimes it's just you know you, you ever known somebody or you ever been in that season where you feel like you can't just get past your temper nobody will Nobody will seem to give you the credit that you've matured some, that you don't react the same way anymore. Or sometimes you just think of somebody else, you think of their past and you go, I don't even know how to talk to them because as soon as I open my mouth, it's going to... So what do we do? We just don't talk. We just shut it down. We don't have communication. I'm sorry, most of these are about my life. This has nothing to do with yours. Um, Lifestyle. Lifestyle. This is all the stuff that we've done in our past maybe that have not just been single events but maybe they've become the habits of our life this can even be a choice that we really declare this is who I am because this is what I do and we found identity in a lifestyle and maybe we realize gosh I, I need to change but this has become so much part of my own kind of personal DNA I don't know how to change you know, and what started as just some stuff that we kind of just needed a little bit of extra effort to work around and get around and, and, and step over, but it was managed, but we could step over it. Now it becomes a wall, and this is sad, I'm so short. There's only four boxes here, and it really covers me. It, like, it becomes, it becomes the wall that we can't get past. We can't see easily over it. And sometimes when we feel like we're, we're just getting enough momentum to bust through it and break up, and break out of some of the old relationships and, and really walk in freedom and new relationships and, and we're about to get some finances in order or, or we think that really, hey, God, I feel like I'm living better than I used to live and we really feel like I've got the moment, I can bust through it. Then, you ever feel like there's just a sack of people just standing against the wall like, no, we're not letting you out of this one. You did too much. And you almost feel like, man, are y'all stacking boxes for me? Like, this is a one-man job. I don't need help on this. In fact, if, I, if, or if you're willing to chip in, would you mind taking some off? and you almost feel like there's just there's, there's, there's so much pressure on the other side that right when what you thought was some momentum of it moving, it just didn't budge, and all you ended up was more banged up because you ran up against the wall of past. Well this morning, I want you to think about some of these things, not just from your own perspective and my own perspective, but also how we see others. I told you this is going to be kind of like a two-lane sermon. We're going to be able to think equally um, and, and more one way than the other how God leads you and how he leads me in my thoughts about how do, how, do we, how do we really look at someone else in light of their past, but also how do we also look at ourselves and begin to take action in our life in light of our, path, uh, of our past. We're, we're going to see that this wall is, is really not meant to stand and be this in our life. And, and we're going we're to end with something better than a wall, okay? Um, we're going to be in Acts chapter 10 this morning. It's not the beginning of Saul's story. We see him mentioned in the New Testament before this in Acts, but it's really just uh, up to this point, all we get is, yep, Saul's a mad guy. He's in agreement with some horrible things that happen. Um, he, he's, he's standing up against this Christian movement that's happening. Here's a, here's a unique thing about Saul. Saul, um, he he, he wasn't just, I would call him methodically angry, right? Saul wasn't just so out of control that he was just lashing out. He was one of these individuals that said, you know what? If I'm going to be angry, I want to have the right to do what I'm getting ready to do. When Saul was going to go out and take vengeance on someone, when he's going to go and really attack, he wanted to know that he had the right to do it. Saul would have been the guy that he would have worked to get a promotion at your or my job just so that he could absolutely make someone else's life miserable and have every right to do it. In chapter 10, what we see Saul doing is, is not just going out and being cruel to Christians. We see him going to the right authority, getting the right permission so that when he went in, he had the authority to just hate and be cruel the way he wanted to. This is not a new invention. This is not something that only has happened one time either. A lot of times in our culture currently, you'll see people and they will spend time investing in certain relationships and certain degrees and certain platforms so that they have what looks like the right to spew hate and to control and to victimize the way that their heart is really driving them. it's really not that much different of a strategy than you positioning yourself and seeking certain opportunities to cast out the love that you have in your heart no matter what perspective you're coming from most of us will put in work to be able to share the overflow of what's in our heart but what's in our heart dictates How that goes? Well, Saul has an event that changes everything. Jesus comes and appears to Saul on a road that he's traveling on to just go do more of the hated act, just do more of the attacks against the people he hates. Um, He he was continuing in, in in the same line of work. There was no repentance yet. There's no sign of regret. There's no sign of remorse. And man, praise praise God. Um, that my heart has never had to be right for him to come in pursuit of me and to call me to himself. This is, this is the opening statement that we have that begins the conversation. And in verse 4 in chapter 10, it says this, Falling to the ground, that's, that's Saul, falling to the ground, he heard a voice saying to him, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? Who are you, Lord, Saul said. I am Jesus, the one you are persecuting, he replied. I find it amazing that for all the people that were taking the abuse, Jesus, his words don't say, why are you going and attacking all the people that are representing me? Jesus said, you're persecuting me. If you think about this from a a war battle standpoint, most of the time, you don't have someone come up and go, you know what, I really don't like a lot of the soldiers of that army, so I think it's worth us just going and, and having a major war with them. They're looking at that and going, okay, we want to take over the kingdom, so we've got to ultimately conquer the king. And a byproduct of that is, a, is, is going to battle with their soldiers. See, when, when, when Satan has and Satan has always had the goal as uh, from from the point he was sinning in heaven and keeping glory for himself and he was then cast out of heaven his number one goal is is to rob people of knowing the glory of God and being in relationship with him some days i think we need to try to set and it helps really i believe because it's helped me to set aside some of the the, the personal feelings Of the battle, and and realize, hey, listen, this is really Satan versus God thing, and and he is he is fooled into thinking that he can defeat the work of God on this earth. I am a soldier of his, so I'm I'm part of the byproduct battle. But but for him to really gain a victory, I may look easy to pick off. But dude, for you to gain a victory, you got to beat Jesus, and last time I checked, you're not going to. And all of a sudden, when when you really know the king you, you are living for and you represent, the way you fight, the weapons you use, and the boldness you have changes drastically, drastically. Jesus speaks to him, but get up and go into the city and you will be told what you must do. The people that were with him, they heard it. They didn't see it the way that he saw it. They didn't really know what to do. They were there and just basically helping Saul. I mean, Saul was the leader of the pack. He was the one that they were following anyway to go do what they were going to do. And, and when they heard this, they're, they're baffled. But, but at this point, Saul, because of the light of Jesus, his, his sinful eyes are able to take it. And, and there's a period of blindness that he goes through in his life. But, but if you notice, Jesus didn't just say, hey, listen, you've done enough. You've done too much. You're out of this game, man. I'm taking you out. He says, listen, right now... I, the, the plan isn't revealed to you. He just says, listen, you're, you're going to get up, and you're going to go into the city, and you will be told what you must do. Um, verse 10, this is where the story really, to us, as we read it, really looks like it's starting to change. There was a disciple in Damascus already in the city that Saul was going to. You get that? Th- this was somebody that Saul, as his, his travel plans were taking him towards the sky, who is a disciple of Jesus, the very person and the kind of person that Saul was going to go to attack. He was in Damascus. His name was Ananias, and the Lord said to him in a vision, Ananias, he said, Here I am, Lord. I mean, you think about this. I mean, the, remember last week, the, kind of the, the scattering of the seed had happened, and, and really even without people knowing, hey, I'm somewhere that God wants me, and I'm here to do something he wants me to do, that there's already the seed of the gospel being spread and stuff is going. And 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 they're seeing it happen in real time. You ever experienced that? You just kind of end up in normal life, and you kind of wonder some days, like, why am I, why why am I going to this restaurant for lunch? Like, why did I just jump in my car and head here, or, or why I had this job, or or or, or how, do I even fit in the family I'm in? And then all of a sudden, out of nowhere, boom! God just says, He just here's a vision. Here's what I'm, I've been doing for a while. Um, I, I want you to see this, and you see evidence that He's working. Man, Ananias has got to be excited, right? I mean, he hears his name, right? Like, this is jumping around point. I feel like I can jump around now because I've lost enough weight. My knees don't hurt as bad. And, and, and Ananias is pumped up, and he's like, all right, Lord, I'm here. I'm here. Let me, like, tell me something to do. This is going to be great. He hears his voice. This is a personal conversation, an audible conversation with God, the kind of conversation that you and I always say, Lord, if you would just tell me out loud what I need to do, it would be so great. You ever, you ever thought that? Careful. This is what comes with it verse 11 he says get up and go to the street called straight he's like awesome I love specifics I got a road name I'm going there he says, the Lord said to him up uh, to the house of Judas great a location on that street more specifics this is awesome I can be obedient to this and ask for a man from Tarsus named Saul since he is praying there in a vision he has seen a man named Ananias coming in and placing his hands on him so that he might regain his sight so, so God he, he reveals to him, this voice of God, um, the, the words of Jesus here reveal to him, hey, listen, there is a, there's, a, there's an address, there's a specific place, there's somebody expecting you, I've already put the seed in his mind to know that you're coming, and then it lands in his brain. Look, Lord, Ananias said, answered, I have heard from many people about this man. Screeching halt of, exci- of, of excitement. God gave him specifics. Like, isn't that always what we seem to want when we say, hey, man, God, I want to follow you? It's like, man, give me all the specifics you can give us. You know, I think, I think sometimes this is a reminder that, man, God, he, he doles out specifics as, as my poor brain can handle and my poor emotions can, can wrap themselves around. There's some situations in life, if God had to just opened the whole book up front, I'd, I'd hate to think whether or not I really would have been faithful. Right? I mean, I, I think we can, we can kind of sympathize here. And, and, and he just says, he says, and he brought harm, and he has done to your saints in Jerusalem, and he has authority here in the chief priest to arrest all who call, who call on your name. He's like, listen, I'm not just saying it's me. You ever done that? You kind of deflect. Now look, Lord, I mean, this guy can arrest everybody that calls on your name. I'm included in that number. Can I get some consideration here? Notice how God responds. Notice how God responds. I think this is amazing. Does God start out by rehearsing, hey, listen, this is all I've forgiven Saul for? Does he itemize everything Saul's done wrong and kind of justify um, maybe some of the points? Or does he say, hey, you know what? Poor guy, man, he grew up in this family background that was like this, and his dad was real hard on him. Does he give those excuses for Saul and his behavior? No, this is God's response, verse 15. But the Lord said to him, "Go, for this man is my chosen instrument to take my name to Gentiles, kings and Israelites. I will show him how much he must suffer for my name." So there's there's a couple of ways, there's a couple of ways that we can really come to grips when we struggle with someone else's past. We're talking about somebody else right now. One, the Bible gives us some real clear wisdom Forgive, forgive based on the amount of forgiveness that we've received. Well, here's the thing. That that takes a couple processes. Number one, I've got to spend some time worshiping in the forgiveness that I've received. I've really got to look at my life and go, Lord, I have got to be able to love you and just appreciate and adore the forgiveness that I've received. I've got to be aware of it all the time. Have you ever struggled with that? I have. Because, again, it, it, it's, it's tough to say, I, I want to rehash a lot of the, the negativity from a, a, lot the, a lot of the stuff. Lord, you've forgiven me. of. And a lot of times, by percentage, the people that we struggle with their past, I have found for me, and and, and I'm just going to say this, and and I, it, I I would actually love to know if it's true for you in conversations if you want to take some time and, and let me know what you think, because our, our experiences, I'm sure to some extent are different but I found in my life for the people that I that, that if I'm gonna struggle with their past the smallest number are the people that I actually need to forgive because they've done something to me the numbers greater that they've actually not really done something to me but they've done something that I would say hey I've taken offense in that and maybe that's why I'm having a tough time with their past so I want to give you something that's, that's, a, that's a, um, a speed us up step to help us in ministering to and doing life with and living with and helping and serving and, and caring for people that we struggle with their past. Many times they sin, and it is sin. So here you go. Here's a question. Um, what do you do when you are struggling with someone's past? Seeing someone's kingdom value and purpose is the quickest route to treating them with love and humility. That was God's solution that he offered Saul. He's like, look, man, I, I, I mean, God was like, yeah, he did all that. Did all that. He knows it. He knows everything. It's, it's what he interrupted. He even addressed me. He said, you're persecuting me. When you do this to all of them, this is me because I am in them. So what does he respond? How does he get Ananias, somebody that was correct? In analyzing and evaluating someone else's past mistakes, how does he get him on board? He says, listen, there's a purpose to that person's life. And it's kingdom purpose. It's not, hey, they deserve a second chance. It's, this is how I can use them. And if we just stop in dealing with people with, you know what, I'm sure they deserve a second chance. You know what comes right after that many times in our brains? They deserve another chance. But they've had a bunch of them. So if we can stop and start to look, hey, how could God use that person? I mean, and think, hey, go straight to the sin. Go straight to the sin and go, how many people also would struggle with that? What if God took their testimony, flipped it around, turned it around, and all of a sudden that is a light for Jesus instead of a sin struggle in their own life? How could God use that? When you start to get that picture, all of a sudden that person becomes easier to love and become easier to approach with a humble spirit to be able to care for them and really share what God has shown you maybe about what's going on in their life. Now, verse 17 um, begins back, we jump back into the story, and, and, it, and it inserted here we have Ananias' obedience. Ananias went and entered the house. He placed his hands on him and said, Brother Saul, the Lord Jesus, who appeared to you on the road that you were traveling, has sent me so that you may regain your sight and be filled with the Holy Spirit. It talks about how at once Saul regained his vision. And somewhere in here is when Saul... In response to the voice of Jesus, now understanding what a gospel message is at some point in here, and we don't have have Saul's prayer listed out because we would probably just end up trying to repeat his prayer to feel like we're okay. We we just know that at this moment, and Jesus is appearing and the work that he brought into his life, this is, is, is during the time that Saul began a relationship with Jesus Christ in salvation, in faith and trust in him. Because again, just like us, what did Saul bring to the table? Nothing that Jesus could say, you know what, I I could use that. Nope, he brought nothing to the table, and he received all the grace that he needed, all forgiveness. But guess what he still got? All this, just like us. So the next section of Scripture that we see is a little bit of a change. Um, It says in verse 19 that Saul was with the disciples in Damascus For some time. We don't know exactly how long, but he's he's with people who also had a committed heart to follow Jesus Christ. All who heard him were astonished and said, Isn't this, this is verse 21, isn't this the man in Jerusalem who was causing havoc for those who called on this name and came here to for the purpose of taking them as prisoners to the chief priest? It says, but Saul grew stronger and kept confounding the Jews who lived in Damascus by proving that Jesus is the Messiah. So in this city that he was on the way to, and remember, it started with one individual, Ananias, God sent and he responded and no doubt had to step up on Saul's behalf and say, hey, listen, I witnessed something in his life. I talked to him, I did the counseling, I checked the prayer card with him. And he was serious when he made this commitment and something's been different in him ever since he's with a group of people who are amazed they don't get it because they see the past but they also see the present and it doesn't make sense to them and that's the first age how do we how do we know how do we know when when change has started happening in our life when there's confusion internally we're like how how can I how can I have these different desires when I've had so many of these other desires how, how am I going through this struggle now all of a sudden I just used to want to do one thing but now I want to do I, I want to do two. One I know is not a good idea. One is for God, and, and I'm struggling to choose. Or other people even see, hey, there's a, there's a difference here. There's a contrast in what I've seen in your life. When those things begin, and we, we observe those, we know that change is real and it's happening. And it's not something that we just regenerate, but it's something the Lord is doing. It, this is crazy. Um, verse 24 I'm going to do verse 23. After many days had passed, the Jews conspired to kill him. Religious people are just a mingle of people. If y'all realize this, it's, it's always within the same group kind of that you're in, and just somebody's always wanting to kill somebody. I, I really think we should have cleaned this up by now, but we've just moved from like life to just reputation for some reason. After many days had passed, the Jews conspired to kill him. But Saul learned their plot, so they were watching the gates day and night, intending and to kill him. But his disciples... Took him by night and lowered him in a large basket through an opening in the wall. Hey, listen. Set aside for a second that that he that God allowed him to find out about a plot that killed his that was going to take his life and he was going to be killed. And he had uh, people that came around and helped him when he used to be so mean. Set that aside for a second. Do you you, you hear the title that they were given? His disciples. In, In other words, Saul who is becoming Paul. He's still in the process. He hadn't arrived. He's not a perfect Christian yet. Already he was ministering to other people to the point that their spiritual growth was being enhanced back based on how God was already using him It seems insane at this moment that he has actual people that are growing in their faith because he's pouring into them When all he used to do is just drain energy and life out of the church But actually it makes total sense. What is the great? Commission the great call of the church to make disciples. It's inescapable. It's an inescapable step in in our relationship with Jesus. Regardless of where we've come from and what we've struggled with, it's a necessary step that we must embrace and must develop to be able to be faithful. He's already doing it. It's amazing, and and then he continues on because listen, his life is saved. He goes on, and I wish I wish it would really just like turn around for him, but but it really doesn't in some ways. Verse twenty six, when he arrived in Jerusalem, he tried to join the disciples. Right, first thing you do, hey, I just I, I worked hard, formed some good relationships over here. He goes in, finds another crowd, but they were all afraid of him since they did not believe he was a disciple. Why, because of how he was speaking. No, he was saying the right words. Because he didn't have anybody that would listen to him or be willing to be trained by him. Nope, he had disciples. Why did they doubt him? What they heard. What we hear is not always the truth. It's not always current news. But it spreads and it circulates. Barnabas, one name. You remember him, if you've read other parts of of, some of Paul's letters, you remember what Barnabas stands for? Son of encouragement. One guy. Everybody's scared. One person steps forward. Barnabas, however, took him and brought him to the apostles and explained to them how Saul had seen the Lord on the road and that the Lord had talked to him and how in Damascus he had spoken boldly in the name of Jesus. Saul was coming and going with them in Jerusalem, speaking boldly in the name of the Lord. Already we see that one person, because they, Barnabas took time and he talked to Saul. He, he had to get story from somewhere. He was already living there. He had conversations. He saw evidence. And what did he do? Did he just say, you know what, I'm going to pray for you. I think that they'll accept you eventually, but I'm going to go over here and kind of distance myself from you. No. He took him in. He, he went in as well. He became part. Of, of Saul becoming Paul's story and stood up in front of people who, who were there as if they really had a right to make decisions about what Jesus was doing, but, but they kind of sat in that place. And he just said, listen, if you're going to sit here and listen, then I'm going to talk on the behalf of not Saul. Barnes did not defend a thing from his past. He said, I'm, I'm just here to talk about what Jesus is doing. And really, ultimately, isn't that enough? I mean, really isn't that enough? If we're dealing with people's lives, isn't that enough to get us going? Is that enough to open our hearts to relationships with people? Regardless of whether all this we feel is resolved or not. Here's something I just I, I thought was worth making a note. <clears throat> this will be on the screen. The gospel shows an advocate is needed. That's who Jesus is. Jesus showed up on our behalf at the cross. To pay for our sin with His life, Jesus told His disciples, "When I come back to life and I go back to heaven, I'm going to send you someone, and that and that person is going to be a what? An advocate. They're going to be in you on your behalf, petitioning the Lord constantly for all that He can do in your life. That's the gospel of what Jesus does in us. So if we're then going to live like Jesus, then we have to at some point be an advocate for somebody in their faith and their what with Jesus Christ, and it may not be comfortable. You may feel like you're the only one willing to say, I see God doing something here. Or I just believe that God can do something here. You may not be Of the same opinion as the big group of people around you. I may not be the same opinion as the big group around. But listen, does it take the whole group? No. It takes one to open hearts for God to use and speak through. And then what does it say? Then Saul started going in and out. Like he was leaving and going and traveling with and having conversations and eating meals. You could just write that statement as he was just living life with these people. Verse 29. He conversed and debated with the Hellenistic Jews, but they tried to kill him. Poor guy. When the brothers found out, they took him down to Caesarea and sent him off to Tarsus. They didn't do that to get rid of him. They didn't. But here's here's the thing about Tarsus. Paul spent 10 years there. And what's really important, some of the things that are really important to know about Tarsus, Tarsus is said, and this is a quote um, out of... um, just out of a Bible dictionary that I, that I look up some things in one time, uh, I want to I read this quote to you. It says that Tarsus has been described as, quote, the heart of the Greco-Roman world and a, quote, meeting place of east and west. From such an environment, a man like Saul of Tarsus, at home with Greek and Roman culture and educated at the feet of Gamaliel, was singularly equipped to bring the gospel to the Jew first and also the Greek. This was a place that offered education. There were politicians. The major intersections of Roman roads crossed right beside this city. It was a cultural hub. Saul went back, and in some ways it felt like home. And and he had a comfort level there. But he had a chance to learn what it meant to live with any creed of people and just simply share Jesus with them. It was 10 years of on-the-job training. Most of the time we go in, into a later section and we say, oh, here's, here's the beginning of, of Paul's first missionary journey. Nope. His missionary journey started back when he started just making disciples of some people that were around him that he told about Jesus. This is really probably, maybe you could call it his second or third missionary journey, as he just spent 10 years somewhere just sharing Christ with people and living faithfully in front of them and helping them understand who Jesus is, and he learned to have the conversation from a million different perspectives because he ran into a million different people. And you say, well, you know, maybe since he got some time away, he kind of got a break from his past. I don't know. Because even when you get, a, get away from some of your past of what others struggle with, if you're anything like me, your past follows you up here and in here. Right? So, so some of this is aimed at, hey, we, we need to be an advocate. Somebody needs to be an advocate for somebody. It's needed when gospel change is going to happen. Some of these truths that we have here, and, and, and just, I'm sorry, I'm, my, my brain just doesn't focus sometimes on Sunday morning. Um, I, I, I forgot to mention this. Uh, because this is where I think is a great shifting of gears. This, is, this will be one of the last points on the screen before we go back to our past in these boxes. Sometimes your close call, and that's really what it was. Um, Saul had another close call. His life was getting ready to be taken again. Sometimes your close call begins to reveal a greater calling. I mean, sometimes we feel like, I just, I just barely got out of that situation. Because something, something significant and rough and tough happens in life. And, and, and when that happens, I believe many times the, the strategy of our enemy Satan is, hey, 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 let me shake you up enough to where your eyes focus on that event instead of the greater vision of what God is doing in your life. You may say, gosh, he escaped. He barely made it out with his life. He just started going to live his life. He then started seeing, hey, really, what is the greater call, Lord, that you have for me? The close call just moved him. That direction, it just nudged him. Many times we just kind of panicked because we're like, man, I got, I, got, I got caught doing that, or, or, or I'm, I, that almost just destroyed my life. Many times that in itself was that Lord-ordained nudge for us to begin to really wake up and go, okay, God, big picture, what are you doing? And get even bigger than the close call. So what do we do when we struggle with our past? Because I don't want I don't, I to don't leave here before we really gain some wisdom on how we really do this. This is the first step that I believe that you can, you can see in, in what Paul, who was Saul, started doing, okay? we got to find our identity in something. And if we find our identity in relationships, money, all that stuff, man, we are putting our identity in stuff that changes, it breaks, it wears out, it won't last, it won't support the weight of our life. We have to find our identity in Christ, in him alone. Because if, if the truth is, regardless of what Saul had done, Jesus said, hey, listen, current conversation, I've got a purpose for this guy. He is going to go in front of some people that nobody else is going to go in front of. In fact, he's going to suffer to a level that nobody else is going to suffer, but it's going to be for a kingdom purpose. And that began to open the doors, not just for Saul's heart to be able to cope in life when he felt like he was being judged, but it was also what started opening other people's hearts. Opening up people's hearts to be able to welcome him in. Finding identity in in Christ. If my identity is in my reputation, hey, people think well of me. And because people think well of me, I'm okay. It's not going to last. It's not good enough. It's not going to hold up when the storms of life really press in. It's not going to be enough when I'm alone and I need to hear God's voice. I've got to find my identity in Christ. What's the next thing? It's just simply this. It's something to watch because Paul started seeing God do something that he couldn't do. How in the world does Saul defend himself of all the stuff that he's done, right? I mean, it would be like trying to justify why my finances are in a wreck because of my spending choices. It would be like saying, hey, listen, I I can't believe that someone is holding against me this conversation I had when the conversation was just absolutely horrible and unkind and sinful. It's like saying, hey, listen, I don't know why my spouse won't give me uh, some grace in this area when all I've done is, is squeeze the grace out of them. We've got to watch God work because if we have our identity in Jesus and we have to know what God is up to in our lives. What did Saul begin to see? Ananias show up and it matched what God had shown him. Barnabas, one guy, stand up and say, hey, listen, there's evidence that the Lord is doing something in his life. Can you imagine how that must have felt? To hear that from somebody that doesn't know you but knows you. And you go, man. I mean, so that, that might be the message that we need to just take to somebody this week. Just ask the Lord, hey, lay somebody on my heart this week that I can see evidence that you're working in their life, Lord, and, 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 and press upon my heart, call them. Because I mean, think about it, in the middle of your crazy week and life, somebody calls in and goes, hey, this is a specific that I've seen the Lord doing in you, it's like, whew, I needed that. We've got to observe what God's up to. Because if we know what he's up to, then we know what we need to be up to. Here's another one. And I said, this is an unavoidable step. Sometimes we think, you know what, be- because of what I've done, there's no way I'm qualified to do this. There's no way I'm qualified. I'm not going to, I can't serve in certain ways, I can't do certain things. This next step, make disciples. It's an inescapable part of who we are as Christians. Jesus said, this is what you've got to go do. He's so clear and so sure about it that but, but it I think it's it may be the greatest thing that we're not doing. Think about it. If if we're all just very honest, how many people, specific individuals, can we look at and say, you know what? Because of how God connected our lives together, I can see how their walk grew. And we had time and energy, and I poured specific effort into their growth in Jesus. And, man, I've been able to grow through them through good seasons, rough seasons, and everything. Like, they, they are a follower of Jesus, and I can see where we've had time together to really work on that fellowship. For most of us, and I myself included, that list is not nearly as long, I believe, as what really God intends. But he, st- he still gets his work done because he's doing so much, but he invites us in to have this step Always is a part of life. You say, man, I, I, don't, I don't know. I don't know that I can really... I mean, you don't know what I've done. Saul, really quickly, ahead of the curve, it seems like, was already making disciples. And the last one is remain faithful. See, the wall of our past, the wall of our past, what, what can God do with it? He can turn our past, not in, from a wall, into a set of stairs. It's one step at a time. You know what happens when we try to run upstairs we try to skip a bunch of them? Trip and fall. And and you and I will fall on our face if we try to do it our own way. Number one, if you say, man, you know what? I want to impact people. I want to take my story, and I want to share it with them, and I want to do something. I want to lead. I want to teach. Have you found your identity in Christ? Is there work and effort going into that? Because until we really find our identity, Jesus, who am I? Tell me. I, oh, here's who I am. Let me tell you. Hey, Jesus, who am I? Tell me. And we start to see ourselves in him. Then we say, okay, then what are you doing? See, these first two steps, it's it, so much of this I found in my life. I don't know if you found the same thing. It's, it's inward direction. It's outward direction. I know how to think and feel. I know, how to, I know where to look and, how, and, and where to start. Where do we go after that? It's it's anchored in discipleship. Other people, their walk with Christ, getting closer because of how God uses us. If it's a spiritual gift, if it's something that God puts inside of us as a real desire for him, it will play a part in this level. It will play a part in that level. Uh, Making disciples isn't about doing some of the stuff that we say we're doing to make disciples. It's, It's actually... Disciples are handmade, not mass-produced. So we we don't have a lever at church. We go and then like all the kids shoot at the end, and they're all disciples. Like it's conversation, it's time, it's teaching, it's training, it's it's correcting. Then after it, it's remaining faithful. So all right, well, what's next? Heaven, (laughs) heaven. This looks like a small step. There's a lot of room on the step to walk around. Sometimes we feel like we barely have a foot on this level, but we can't fool ourselves. the the life that we have with Jesus identity in him seeing where he directs us making disciples and continually faithfully most of us go yeah I get it I understand it good this is it this is everything every relationship every financial decision everything that was on this wall works out in these four steps everything everything I've seen it happen in my life I've seen if if it didn't work out I can, I can go to a step here, and I can show you, hey, this is where it was wrong. Every relationship that did not work out in my life, first step. My identity, I was looking for something in that relationship that was always meant to be given to me by God. So many things. My money, many times, I'm not seeing what God is doing. I'm not focused on it. I'm not conscious of other lives around me. I'm spending on me. That's where, if my money is ever going to go bad, that's where it's going to go bad. All this, it's it's amazing. When you see it flip, I wish I could have both, but I don't have enough boxes. I wish I could have both. But, But when you see both of them, what was impossible to get around, to look over, to even break through in Jesus, it becomes a journey. It becomes somewhere we can get to. Would you bow your heads for a second? I'd like to encourage you towards this. Whether there's someone that you've run up in on life and, and run into and, and because of what they've done, and, and I, I'm just going to say it, not that you've made up a story about them. You haven't had to make up anything because what they've given you to work off of is plenty. But what, because of what they've done and maybe even done through you, it, their past is just so much to struggle with. Consider the gospel message that Jesus as an advocate showed up in our place for what we couldn't do ourselves. That the Holy Spirit, Jesus in us, is constantly working on our relationship with God by going to God on our behalf. Is there someone that we need to be an advocate for? Not because they deserve it, but because why? We've seen their kingdom value and potential. And that sped us up to being able to help them and love them and encourage them. Maybe that's where you are this morning. I can't stand here and tell you that someone's sin was not great. But I can stand here and say that what Jesus can use them for is greater. I've had people help me and I've been blessed with certain opportunities to help others. And you see God do some amazing things in those times. But in some way, just to make sure that we're all coming from the same place, that wall that was on the stage, man, it looked awful familiar, didn't it? Maybe not every block, but for you and me, we, we had several. We at least can agree on that ground level that we're just, it just takes effort in our life to work around some things. But I just need you to know this morning, the one place that sometimes we need to get ourselves out of so that Jesus can really speak to us, is is we we try to live in the minds of other people. And we try to to figure them out and, and, and structure them and organize them in a way that we can then solve our own inward issues. We have to get out of the minds of others, the opinions of others, and first find our identity in Jesus. If you don't know Jesus as your Savior, that might just be salvation this morning. Beginning a personal relationship with him because you, you have heard the gospel and you go. You know what? I, I, I may not understand it all But I believe that Jesus gave his life for mine and that's the only way according to his word that I can know God So I'm ready to I'm ready to receive him in salvation this morning and, and answer the call to salvation If that's you then I want you to know that, that believing in Jesus and praying Say is how salvation ends and if you're unsure how to do that and how to work through it, whether you're here or you're watching on this video, we want to be present and, and, and work with you and counsel you with that time. It's not, it's not doing it the way that someone else has done it. It's just it's, it's explaining God's Word back and forth to each other and asking some questions. If you want to begin that conversation during the time that we sing, we'd love for you to. If you're praying that prayer in your hearts even right now to be saved, we, we want to know to celebrate, but to also walk through life together. We have cards that you can check and things you can go online and say, I became a Christian. But, but, but my favorite thing is when somebody just walks up and goes, hey, I gave my life to Jesus today. Please let us know. Because when your life is in Christ and you start to find your identity in him, and for some of us, we didn't start that just at the moment of salvation. There was a long period of time before we really knew that we needed to do that now we see it's not just finding our day in christ it's getting some outward direction god what are you doing it's having a purpose in this world to help others become better followers of him and just living a life that is faithful whether it's for 10 years in parsis whether it's for 25 in brown summit whether it's for two on the job whatever it is just living that way for jesus lord thank you so much for your grace and your mercy God, help us to hear your word, to take it, to apply it. Lord, help us to be found faithful. God, I pray that if there's someone here, Lord, that just needs to come forward and have someone pray with them or pray, Lord, over a struggle they have because they're they're trying to love someone and, and, and it's tough because they deal with past circumstances. Lord, I pray that they have the freedom to come forward and pray. Lord, if it's someone here that just really, God, either they're listening on video or they're here or present in this room or they just need to be, Lord, they need to they, they just desperately know in their soul. They need to walk in freedom from some things in their past. But they just can't quite seem, Lord, to, to figure out how to get around it, and how to get over it, how to break through it. Lord, help us to know that in Christ, we aren't bound by anything, but there is a journey in front of us, Lord, that you will guide us to for restoration and healing. And it begins with step one, then we go to step two, then step three, then step four. And God, it's it's a journey of life. But Lord, everywhere we step, in your guidance, Lord, we will find comfort, peace, and an empowering, and, and a call and a purpose on our life like we've never known. And God, I pray that the fear and the failure and the insecurities and the guilt of what may be behind, Lord, will will not seem to overflow and flood in to our present moments and even our future fears, but Lord, that we'll start to hear and see and know freedom like we've never known. And Lord, help us today to see freedom tangibly in front of us that we can see application in. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Would you stand during this time? If you'd like to pray, we'll be here to pray with you. If you'd like to pray just to yourself, we just want to give you the freedom to do that now.